This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. It's fight night in Las Vegas. We're breaking it down for the next couple hours here on the BetQL Network. The show is Tapped Out. Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Sorry about those technical difficulties we had in the first segment. You know, sometimes in life, there's really nobody to blame. In this case, there is. His name is Rick. So, you know, way to go, Rick. Uh, but we appreciate you sticking through with us, and it won't happen again. Coming up next, by the way, we're going to talk with Reed Wallach here uh, from BetSide. And so we'll break down all the angles of tonight's fight with an outsider, Reed Wallach. And then coming up in the final hour, we'll break things down with Joe Osborne of Odd Shark. So whatever you're thinking on tonight's fight, we're going to tell you if you're right, wrong, or somewhere in between speaking of overhook and underhooks time brendan hardy versus spivak over under in rounds the numbers one and a half the big boys typically don't go too much longer than that you can get plus money right now on that number at plus 120 i don't think greg hardy lasts too long and that's not really a pro sergey spivak argument it's more of a i've been watching a lot of greg hardy in the last couple of days and I wouldn't be surprised if he does lose and gets knocked out early that this is also the end of his, maybe not MMA career, but UFC. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's again, he's a guy that, uh, they, they do like putting on certain cards. He, they do like, they, they do like the attention that I think he brings in some weird twisted way. So I don't know if he's uh, really going to be in danger again, cut only be his third straight loss. So I don't think it's, uh, I think that'd be a pretty quick trigger to pull on the guy. The thing with Hardy, though, I will say is usually he is a guy who starts pretty fast. He is dangerous. He does have those those uh, those strong twitch muscles, but it's just his cardio isn't very good. I mean, like it's it, it, it taps out pretty quickly. No pun on the show or anything like that. And so I think for Spivak, it almost is better for him. If can he drag this into a little bit of deep waters and then maybe try and get him uh, worn out to either get the knockout or like he's so good at get the submission. So I like the over here. Remind me, how long did it take Ty Tuivasa to end up knocking out Greg Hardy? Was that in one or was that in two? I remember it didn't take too long. Uh, let's see. He got Greg. Greg Hardy got got by Ty Tuivasa the last time they fought. That was in round one. Only took him a minute. But he's Ty Tuivasa. So, I understand it's Ty Tuivasa, but Sergey Spivak is one of those guys also that if he puts it on your chin and Greg Hardy has shown a, not a weak chin, but a vulnerable chin. Let's say that. And real quick, also to your point of the UFC likes him to stay around. Doesn't that mean a promotion like Bellator would love, for whatever sick reason, would love a guy like that? Yeah, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think because he has controversy and name value, I do think that he's always going to be a, a guy that fine. I mean, if it's not here, I'm sure BKFC will throw him a bag for a couple of fights. Like, I don't think Greg Hardy is going to have trouble, you know, being able to get fights for a little bit. And you know, maybe a lower tier competition is probably better for him. Again, like that's kind of the weird way where like 
you know, I give him credit for lasting in the UFC this long. I certainly sure. didn't think he was going to be this successful. I just think that he's really just hit his ceiling when it comes to his career, but he is dangerous. I mean, he is still have a lot of power. He can, uh, he can hurt you. And I think that usually will typically come in the early end of the fight. And if Spivak is, uh, is smart, I think he probably tries to, you know, kind of wait it off for a little bit and then pounce and, and try and finish the fight. Again, Hardy's wins have come against the greats. Uh, Mo Green, Jorgen DeCastro, Dimitri, I'm going to screw up your name, Dimitri. I apologize now. Smoliakov, uh, Tabaris Gordon, Austin Lane, and of course the great Juan Adams. So go out there Austin, and beat somebody. Beating Austin Lane was uh, Austin Lane was a former defensive end too. Not as good as Greg Hardy was, uh, and he obliterated. Remember that that was a viral knockout. That was in the Contender Series. That was sick. It's what got him here. Speaking of knockouts, Kevin Holland's back at it tonight. We know he's got that knockout power. A couple of submissions on his resume also. The overrunner for rounds is one and a half in this three-round fight. You can get plus money on that at 136. The thing about Cowboy Oliveira is he hasn't looked the same, I would say, in – I mean, you realize the last time that he finished a fight, Brendan, was 2018. We're in 2022. Yeah. So if you think that he's going to be the reason this fight ends soon, you should probably do a little bit more research. I actually like the overs on this one. I think this goes the distance. I agree with you. I think that he is, uh, you know, I don't know if he's got any path to win tonight, but he is certainly durable. He is tough. Uh, he is a, somewhat of a fan favorite, too. Everybody has respect for Cowboy Oliveira. But I think that Kevin Holland is, he knows what's on the line for him tonight. And I don't know if we see a guy who's going to be maybe taking a lot of risks, runs into something stupid. I think he just needs to do one thing and one thing alone, and that is get the W and then move on and, and try and get his career on the right path. That's the most important thing for him tonight. Do you think Kevin Holland is more the guy that we saw that won, was it seven out of eight, or is he the guy that's lost now, not including the no decision his last two fights? I believe in Kevin Holland. I think that he's got a lot of talent. I just think that uh, he took on a, tough, uh, a couple of tough matchups, and I think it probably – wasn't the smartest thing to go Derek Brunson, Marvin Torrey back-to-back so quick. I think that speaks to his mentality that he wanted to get right back in there and do that. Um, and then obviously the Kyle Doggis fight was uh, was what it was with some weirdness. But I still think that there's a lot of talent there. He certainly has a lot of uh, things and holes that he does have to cinch up. I don't know if that Oliver is going to be the type of guy that will expose those holes tonight. But it's uh, certainly if he wants to get back to where he thought he was going to go after the 5-0 and 2020, He's got to uh, he's got to tighten some things up. Vegas believes in him tonight, just like you do, BT. He's coming in at minus three seventy five. So if you want to take Cowboy Oliveira, you can get paid for it. He's almost a three to one right now at plus two eighty five. It's tapped out here on the BetQL network. We're working our way up to the main event: Masvidal and Colby Covington, UFC two seventy two in Las Vegas. Thug Nasty taking on Junior. You ever said that sentence before? The overrunner for rounds is two and a half. Bryce Mitchell and Edson Barbosa. The unders is favored at minus 118. This is one of those fights where I know they pay us to give our opinion, but my opinion is this fight could go a million different ways. Uh, it definitely can. I mean, it's, and I think that this is uh, probably one of the more even fights tonight because we're going to find out a lot about where Bryce is and, and, and his step up and level of competition how he can handle the, the just the insane speed that comes with Edson Barboza's kicks. And we're going to find out how much, you know, Barboza really has left in the tank. You know, how, how is this run at featherweight going to go for him? I think he's two and two at 145 right now. So is he going to be the guy who takes out the hot prospect and start getting on a run in a very good division that I'm sure he'd love to make a title run in? Or is this going to be one where 
you know, he, he is the, the gatekeeper to the, to another young guy and then vaults off to that guy's career. Uh, it's really, really tough. And it's going to be interesting to see how Bryce really handles those body kicks. How can he handle that speed? Does he get the takedowns to go get himself that nasty submission game that he is so good at? Um, he's got a fun, loving personality. Everybody's going to really, really like him. I think if he does get this win tonight and more people are going to be introduced to him, but it's got to be careful. I mean, like this is, this is a guy who's got serious weapons in Edson Barboza and maybe could uncork one right on your head, you know, could hit you with a high head, uh, high head kick. He could go and hit you with a body shot. Um, so he's got to be, he's going to be having to go through the fire tonight if he wants to get that submission. And again, Bryce Mitchell, I don't want to say he's beat a bunch of nobodies because he, you know, took out Andre Feely last time, but you compare that to the resume of Edson Barbosa, who's obviously been in the game 10 times longer, but Shane Burgos and Dan Hooker and Benil Daryush and Pettis and Melendez and Bobby Green and Felder just feels like when you compare the two guys, I'm a little bit surprised that Bryce Mitchell's coming in, not only as a favorite, but almost a two to one right now at a minus 176. Like you said, to me, this is a very, very even fight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and it's it's also one of those guys like, you know, we've seen really I probably since the Khabib fight, like it's been a lot of guys who he's going to stand and bang with and it's going to be firefights with Edson Barboza. So it's a different kind of challenge for him. Like he's going to have to 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 really defend against some stuff, which I think he's definitely got all the experience in the world, turning on American top team. So I don't think he's going to be surprised by anything tonight, but he's going to probably have to dust off some old skills uh, to try and uh, to try and hold off Thug Nasty to to, uh, to get himself in that position to uncork some uh, some nasty, nasty kicks. I love the accent. I love Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. Every time they put that microphone in front of my face, I'm going to say Arkansas, but I'm not going to pay for popularity. You know, it's a gambling show, and we have to advise, you know, what we actually think is going to happen. I think I'm now leaning Barbosa because only because I can get plus money on him. It's a very, very even matchup in the featherweight division. So in the catch weights. Honora Makano ended up getting the spot, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. This feels like, to me, look, Makano's always in great shape, and he's only a plus 150, so he's certainly a live bullet. But Dos Anjos has had a camp. He's coming off a win. He can't necessarily put himself in a title contention, but at least he can stay in title contention, which would be his one, two, third time, if I'm counting right, going for the belt. This just feels like Dos Anjos' fight to lose, and he can beat you in a lot of different ways, too. To be honest with you, if you look at his fight resume, he's got some knockouts, but he's also got a handful of submissions, all those arm triangles. He's a specialist. Like, I don't see this one going all that long. I think that the thing that I'm, I'm interested in with this is, you know, he did have a full camp. That's true, but he is taking on a, a completely different style of guy. Like, yeah. he's got yeah. a, a whole different, uh, a whole different set of weapons that he's got to go defend against. Now, thankfully, he's got all the experience in the world. He's dangerous at a lot of different things, so he can handle that. Um, I think he'll be okay there. But, we, you know, this kind of goes back. We were talking a lot about this with Makachev versus Bobby Green. Now, this is in 10 days' notice. It's been about three weeks since he's fought, uh, which was on UFC 271. But, you know, another dangerous striker that he was taking on, Alexander Hernandez, certainly not as decorated as Dos Anjos is, but he was able to weather that early onslaught and then go get the submission. 
like he's so good at doing. Um, but I do like the fact that RDA is not only back at his weight class, kind of, but the fact that it's at the weight class he had most success in his career, plus up five pounds. So I feel like that's almost the sweet spot of where he's always wanted to be. Like he's one of these guys where if he was a super lightweight, if UFC ever did go to that, he'd probably be perfect for that because his welterweight run wasn't what he probably thought it was going to be, even though he took on some very tough guys, including Colby Covington. But, you know, it was probably a little bit too small for that division. But he caught, he talked so much about how much he struggled making 155. Well, he didn't have to make 155. He, he had to make 160 for this one. And I, I'm with you. I do like RDA tonight, but I do think he's got his hands full because he's taking on a completely different type of opponent. Dos Anjos by submission, 5-1 to one right now, BT. So he pulls off one of those triangle chokes or, you know, we've seen him. That guy can do a lot of different things on the ground. That looks pretty tasty to me. Brendan Tobin, Sean Levine, Jake Galley breaking down UFC 272. We've made it back up to the top of the card. Colby Covington taking on Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal plus 260 in this welterweight fight. Uh, Colby Covington at minus 340. So, of course, it's a five-round fight being the main event of a pay-per-view. The over-under at four and a half right now. The under pays at plus 112. This is one of those that's kind of funny because I feel like it's really, really one-sided, which usually ends up going the exact opposite way. But right. tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like everybody thinks that if Masvidal wins this fight, there's no way it goes the distance. Not so much because of his gas tank or anything, but because if he has five rounds to knock out Colby Covington, then that'll be long enough to put one on his chin. And he's got that one hitter quitter power. We know that. But for Colby, he's got that crazy gas tank. A lot of people think that, yeah, he's kind of got punches and bunches, but he doesn't have that knockout power where basically what I'm saying in a long-winded roundabout way is if it does go the distance, that means Colby wins. And if it doesn't go the distance, that's more likely that Masvidal wins. Agree? I, I do agree with that. I don't think it's impossible for Masvidal to win a decision. I thought a lot of what Kamaru Usman this week made sense where he says that he's so tricky, so good at defending takedowns and hitting those sneaky shots. Uh, we've certainly seen with Masvidal, he does allow some of these specialists to get to their spots uh, a little bit too comfortably. He needs to wear that off with Colby. You think the Damian Maya fight, the Wonderboy Thompson fight where, you know, he's almost looking for that big shot. But that was a different Masvidal, you know, a more mature Masvidal kind of tries to crank the pressure on his opponents and really bring the fight to him. Uh, hopefully that's the guy who we see tonight. But this is almost, you know, to your point, the last time I remember everybody leaning so heavily one direction of a fight that was like, oh, it was almost making me like th there's going to be some kind of swerve here was gone versus Nganu. And it was just, everybody was on Cyril gone's too technical. Cyril gone's got too many different ways to win. Cyril gone, this Cyril gone, that. And what did Francis do? He completely flipped the fight on its head, took him down and had another way to go get a victory that we didn't even think of. And I think with Masvidal being as experienced as he is and having so much knowledge of Colby Covington, I think that, we're too heavy on this is only going to go one way, and that is Colby is going to wear him out over five rounds because I think people put him in the category of being right next to Kamar Usman. When too many people are thinking the same thing, that very much scares me on a fight because this is mixed martial arts. There's too many variables, and inevitably something could happen that really, really swings the fight one way or another, and all it takes is – you know, Colby Covington having his hands down. Masvidal cracks him, and that takes a round away. He's not the same going back to the corner. He's not as willing to go for the for the takedown. I just think that Masvidal is too dangerous for me to think, hey, the consensus here is definitely how this fight's going to play out, and especially for the numbers that you're getting on this. 
No, that's a good point. Now, to be fair, you said that nobody knew how the Ghana and Ghana fight was going to go. Our producer, Jake, told everybody on this very show that Ngana was going to win by decision. He cashed his 18 to 1 ticket. Hopefully, you listened and did the same thing. Also, to be fair, and I understand that the, the road that you're going down, it makes sense because that is the last time that it felt like the public was so one sided for whatever reason. Heck, Nganu came in as the underdog champion in that fight. That being said, he came in at like a plus 130 or something like that. You can get twice the money on Masvidal. So it feels like basically nobody thinks Masvidal can go out there and win this fight. No, not except for my uh, my Canes bros down uh, a few for, a few uh, minutes down on the turnpike. I would say outside of everybody who's got their watch parties tonight and their, their Cajachinas going to celebrate. I would say no, he doesn't have a lot of uh, public backing, which I, I found surprising because of how popular he is. Hey, things hit a little different down there in Dade County. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm Sean Levine. Coming up next, we're going to welcome on Reed Wallach from Betsided to break down UFC 272 right here. You're tapped in BetQL Network.